Now today, I want to speak to you right out of our series in Genesis chapters 1 through 11 on this subject. The difference maker. I believe that Noah was a difference maker. I believe that God chose him. I know that God chose him out of all the people on the earth for he and his family to repopulate the world after God destroyed it. Last week, we identified the six characteristics that define the days of Noah. Do you remember what they are? The first one was this, rapid progress, demonic activity, blatant rebellion, extreme evil, moral corruption, and rampant violence. Noah and his family lived in a world that was bad to the bone. In fact, it was so bad that God had declared to Noah that he was going to destroy the whole world and everybody in it except Noah and his family. So I believe we can safely say that Noah was the ultimate difference maker. Now our world resembles the days of Noah more and more and more. Jesus said that this is a sure sign that his second coming and the judgment of God upon the wicked world of our day is coming soon. The Bible, the Bible says that, that when Jesus comes, that the, the world will be destroyed, not by flood, but by fire. Now, if Noah could make a difference in a world that was about to be destroyed by a flood, we need to determine how we can make a difference in a world that is close to being swept up in the judgment of God, the fiery judgment of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you long to be a difference maker? Or do you just desire to blend in with the world around us? Obviously, if Noah was a difference maker, and he was, it all started, number one, with his conversion, Noah's conversion. Well, where do we see that in this text, Pastor? Well, I want you to look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I want you to focus on that word favor for just a moment. The word favor in the Hebrew occurs 69 times in the Bible. The first occurrence of this Hebrew word that was translated favor here is right here in the verse we're looking at today. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It is a description of Noah's salvation. We could retranslate that word favor with the word that we're more uh, familiar with, the word grace, grace. Noah, like all Old Testament believers, was saved by grace through faith. I have so many people ask me, but pastor, how did, how did people in the Old Testament, how, how, how did those people get saved? Well, they get saved just like us, by grace through faith in God. Now, that faith that Noah had resulted in him being declared righteous. Let, let's go over just a moment to Romans chapter 4 
And I'd like to read to you verses three through eight because it describes the, the, the salvation here of Noah and how people in the Old Testament were saved. Romans chapter four, verses three to eight, the Bible says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Now look at chapter four, verses 23 to 25 of Romans. The Bible says, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, speaking of Abraham, but also, look at this, but also for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Now in chapter four, we, we've noticed in the verses we just read, the term credit or credited. Do you know that word appears nine times in Romans chapter four? And it speaks of taking something that belongs to someone and applying it to another's account. It's a banking term. It is a one-sided transaction. God took his own righteousness and credited it to Noah because Noah had faith in God. Now in the Old Testament, it was faith in the promise that God would send a savior someday. Remember the first prophecy in the Bible is Genesis chapter three, verse 15, and it is a prophecy of God one day sending a savior who would defeat Satan and dis destroy Satan. What a promise that is. But today we look back on the death and resurrection of the savior and are saved by faith. So the Old Testament saints were saved by faith in what God was going to do when he sent the savior. And we look back and we're saved by faith in what God did do through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is saved by works. No one, whether they be Abraham, whether they be Noah, whether they be David, whoever they are, no one is saved by works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now the thrust of these verses here in Genesis chapter six that mentions Noah, it's not about Noah being good. Noah didn't, didn't uh, go to heaven because he was good. Noah's in heaven today 
because of the grace of God. This chapter is about the grace of God. It's not about the Nephilim. It's not about the giants. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about the grace of almighty God that would reach down and credit to our account the righteousness of his perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Now, here's a challenge for all of us. Make your life count for God. Make your life count for God. That's what Noah did. And it all begins with your conversion. Are you saved? Have you repented of your sin? Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord by faith? Do you believe that he died on a cross for your sin? Do you believe that he was raised from the dead? Do you believe that God has taken what Jesus has provided for you and and, and credited it to your account? Have you already believed in Jesus? If you haven't, today would be the perfect day to believe in Jesus and receive the righteousness of Christ. The second thing I want you to notice about Noah in our text is not only Noah's conversion, but Noah's character. Look at verse nine. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Now that term righteous is an interesting word. It simply means that his passion was to live according to the standards of God, not the standards of the sick, twisted world around him. It was his priority. And it really set him apart in the eyes of God. In my study this week, I discovered an obscure reference to Noah in the book of Ezekiel. Let me read it to you. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14. This is God speaking. Even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, by their own righteousness, they could could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. Let me tell you, God thought so highly of Noah that he included him in the list with these other two men, Job and Daniel. And he's in that list because of his righteousness because he embraced the standards of God's word. Listen, if we're going to live for Jesus in a world that is careening toward the judgment of God upon this world, then we must take God's standards and make them the overriding convictions of our individual lives and our family's lives also. Make your life count for God. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Noah's life had not counted for God, if he had not been a difference maker? Well, God would have had to raise up somebody else to repopulate the world after the flood. But Noah was that difference maker because of his conversion and because of his character. And you can be a difference maker. Make your life count for God. And then number three, Noah's conduct. You see, conduct flows out of character. So verse nine, again, the Bible says, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. You see that? He was blameless in his time. 
The Hebrew word used here for blameless is translated 44 times in the Old Testament like this, without blemish. So 44 times in the Bible, this same Hebrew word is translated without blemish. Now it doesn't mean that, that Noah was perfect. It doesn't mean that Noah was sinless. It simply means that Noah was uncontaminated by the world system that surrounded him. The moral corruption and the extreme evil did not get into Noah's spiritual system. Now listen, if we're gonna make our lives count for God, we've gotta be men and women and boys and girls of integrity. The Bible says that we are to be holy as God is holy. Now that's not a, a, a characteristic or a command from God just for pastors. That's for every individual believer. That's for every born again Christian on the face of the planet. God says, be holy as I am holy. That's what it means to be blameless here. That was his conduct. Now look, we learn from Noah, if we're going to make our life count for God, number one, we've got to be converted. Number two, we've got to have the right kind of character. We have got to align ourselves with the standards of God that are revealed in the word of God. And then thirdly, out of that character, out of aligning ourselves with the standards of God's word, then our conduct becomes what God wants it to be. And I'll tell you, friend, it'll make a difference in the world. It'll make a difference in your family. It'll make a difference in our community. It'll make a difference in our state. It'll make a difference in our nation. It'll make a difference in our world if we choose to make our life count for God. There's a fourth thing about Noah here I want you to see. Not only his conversion, not only his character, not only his conduct, but I want you to see Noah's commitment. Look at the last part of verse 9. Look at it. The Bible said Noah walked with God. Noah committed himself to grow in his relationship with the Lord. In, fa in fact, the word walked stresses the relationship that Noah valued. His, I'm talking about his relationship with God. And, and it's in the, the present tense and it, it emphasizes continuity of action. Noah was not like some believers today who run hot and cold. They read their Bible for six weeks and and then they don't read their Bible for a while. They, they pray for eight weeks, but then their prayer life gets slack and loose. Uh, they come to church regularly for a while, and then they drop out for a while, then they come back for a while. That's not the way Noah lived. Noah was committed to God. Noah walked with God. Mike mentioned that my, my life verse is John 15, 5, and it is. That's my life verse. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let me ask you, what can we do outside of our relationship with Jesus? What does the Bible say? Nothing, nothing. 
Nothing. I'll tell you, friend, listen. I want you to hear me. I promise you this, that nothing in your Christian life is more important than your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Your daily walk with Jesus Christ, the time you spend reading your Bible, the time you spend praying, the time you spend actively engaged in a relationship with Jesus and growing spiritually is the most valuable thing you have in your life as a believer. Nothing can compare to that. So Noah was committed to God. The Bible says this about Enoch and Abraham. In Genesis 5.22, the Bible said, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when Abram was 99 years old, 99 years old, remember God had promised he and Sarah a baby. Remember that? But he was 99 and she was 89 at the time. And the Lord appeared to Abram and, and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. In other words, God comes to him and said, Noah, don't give up. Keep walking with me. Stay close to me, Noah, so you can hear my voice, so you can follow my direction and my guidance. Oh, what an incredible truth that is. So like Enoch before him and Abraham after him, Noah was committed to maintaining a close relationship to God. Now remember this. You and I may live 70, 80 years if, if, we're, if we're fortunate, but Noah lived over 900 years, folks. So he stayed close to God for a long, 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 long time. He didn't burn hot and cold. What, what a difference maker this man was. He was committed to God. Listen, the Lord enabled Noah to remain uncontaminated by a sick, twisted world that surrounded him because he walked with God. Listen, the Bible says over and over again that we are not to allow the world to seep into our lives, the world system. The world system is contaminated by Satan and we've got to stay clear of the world and we've got to walk with God. Listen, you can't make a difference if you're not different. You hear me? You cannot make a difference if you're not different. If you're like the world, you'll never be a difference maker. And we know from Noah that if we're going to be a difference maker, it begins with our conversion. It continues with our character and our conduct and our commitment. But the last thing I want to show you today is Noah's confidence. How could Noah stand firm for God and remain uncontaminated by the moral filth and the spiritual deadness that characterized the people of his day? Can I tell you, we think it's hard to be a Christian today. 
Can you imagine how hard it must have been for Noah and his family to stay true to God in the sick, twisted, perverted world that he lived in? But he never quit on God. He didn't quit on God. He didn't say, it's too hard. I'm tired of people making fun of me. I'm tired of being ostracized. I'm tired of being persecuted. I'm tired of being laughed at. No, you know what he did? He walked with God. He was true to God all the way through. So Noah's confidence. What do I mean by Noah's confidence? Well, take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. There are 15 people named by name in the great chapter 11 of Hebrews, the chapter of faith, 15 people. And one of the 15 people named in this chapter is Noah. Noah. The Bible says in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of its household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah's confidence in God was strong. Listen, think about this. When God warned him about the coming flood, you know what, what Noah did? He believed God. God said there was going to be a worldwide flood. God said he's going to destroy the world. And Noah believed God. You know how I know he believed God? It's because he obeyed God. Because God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. A huge, huge ark, a boat. And Noah didn't argue with God. Noah didn't say, but, but God, I don't live next to the sea. He didn't do that. He didn't say, but, but God, people will think I'm foolish. Do you realize at this time it had never rained on the face of the planet? God watered everything by dew that came down in the morning. No rain whatsoever. And here's Noah as he begins to cut the trees and, 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 and plane the, the, the planks and, and develop the pitch and he begins to build this monstrosity of a boat. <clears throat> and Noah didn't say, God, people are gonna call me Nutty Noah. People are gonna make fun of me and my family. You know what he did? It took 120 years to build that boat. And Noah obeyed God. He didn't obey God for six weeks or six days or six years. He obeyed God for 120 years. Now, I'm going to tell you, that'll make you a difference maker in the eyes of God. He obeyed God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have confidence in God? Do you have confidence in God's word? 
Do you really in your heart believe that God's word is truth without mixture of error? Are you willing to stand on God's word even if people around you would ridicule you and make fun of you? Would you? That's the kind of confidence that Noah had. He was a man of faith. Now, I want you to understand that just as in Noah's day, God's grace has a limit. You remember in in Genesis chapter 6, God says that in 120 years that he would bring about the flood. And he did. So Noah had 120 years to build this, this big ark. I don't know how much time we have left, but I do know what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 39, Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows. What day and hour? It's the time when Jesus will come. It's the time when God will unleash his fury and his wrath upon this world and destroy the world by fire. And Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like, now listen, the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Ladies and gentlemen, I I cannot stand up here and tell you with certainty when Jesus is coming. I cannot tell you with certainty when God is going to unleash the fury of his wrath on a sick, twisted world like we live in today. But I can tell you this, he's going to do it. He's going to do it because he said he's going to do it. And Jesus gave us a little hint here that the time before his coming and the end of the world would be just like the days of Noah. And I'm telling you, folks, that describes our day today. Those six characteristics of the days of Noah are exactly what we're seeing before our very eyes today. If we're ever going to do anything for God, we better do it now. That's why I challenge you based upon this text to make your life count for God. Noah could only do it, according to the Bible, in his time. And you can only make your life count for God in your time, the time that God allows you to live on this planet. James Emery White takes God seriously, and he takes this challenge seriously. And I want to read to you something he wrote in a book that I have in my library. He wrote, I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot, overwhelmed with a single thought. That's what I want for my life, to be caught up in the sweep of history, to be in the center of things, to be making a difference, 
to be at the heart of the struggle between right and wrong, good and evil. My heart was almost breaking at the thought of a life of insignificance. I could give my life to something that would live on long after I was gone that was bigger than I was and where what I did mattered and could affect all of history, even eternity. He understood what it means to be a difference maker. He understood what it means to make your life count for God. Now, I want to say something to everybody within the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room, whether you're watching live stream. If you are a born-again believer, I would encourage you, don't waste your life on the frivolous things of this world. The Bible says the world is passing away. But a new day is coming. Jesus is coming. He's going to consummate his kingdom one day and we'll be a part of his kingdom if we are born again believers. But let's make sure that we make our life count for God right now. So let me ask you a question. Let's, let's think a moment about your conversion. Are you saved? Are, are, are you saved? I promise you this. We could stop right here. If you're not saved, there's nothing else I can say. The number one thing in your life is to make sure that the God of heaven has forgiven your sins and he's given you and credited to your account the righteousness of his son, Jesus. You say, well, pastor, how can I be converted? Well, you've got to admit that you're a sinner first and that's hard for a lot of people, isn't it? You've got to admit that you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself no matter what you do. Secondly, you've got to be willing to turn from your sin, to repent. The, the Bible uses the word repent. And then thirdly, you have to put your faith in Jesus. Remember in the Old Testament, Abraham Isaac and Jacob and those guys, they look forward, Noah, they look forward to God sending a Savior one day. And they believed God and God credited them for righteousness. And here we are today and we look back in history and we know that 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ in Passion Week went to the cross of Calvary, became sin for us shed his blood on the cross so that God in heaven would forgive our sins and lift his wrath from our lives and give us eternal life. Are you willing today to admit that you're a sinner to turn from your sin and to place your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ? If you're ready, Today, that could be a reality for you. I'm going to invite our worship team and our staff to come, and we're going to give you an opportunity to respond today. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing if, if I got up here and waxed eloquently about being a difference maker, but I didn't invite you or challenge you to be a difference maker? It all begins with your conversion. 
Now, if you'd like to be saved today, you come to one of our staff members and we'll help you with that decision. It's the most important thing in your life. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world and forfeit his soul? Come to Christ today. Now, if you're a born again believer, you gotta ask yourself about your own character. Do you have godly convictions? I promise you, if you're going to be a difference maker as a believer, you've got to have godly convictions. I want to invite you to come to the altar and just kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to have the kind of convictions that Noah had as he lived out his life in a sick, twisted, perverted world. And then what about your conduct? Are you living a life of holiness as a believer? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with your sin. Come to the altar, confess and forsake any sin in your life as a believer. And then are you committed? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you abiding in Jesus? Oh, I hope and pray that every believer will bow the knee to King Jesus and say, Lord, help me to walk with you today. Help me to walk with you tomorrow. Help me to walk with you this week and this month and this year and for the rest of my life. And then number five, do you have confidence in God? Do you have a strong faith? Do you believe God's word? Do you trust God? to use you in ways that will make an eternal difference in people's lives. Hey, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to come. Our staff is here to minister to you. You can come to the altar. But the most important thing is that you listen to God, that you take God seriously, and you do exactly what he tells you to do in this moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the men and women, boys and girls in this room. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would touch our hearts and you would help us to be the men, women, boys and girls that you called us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and worship and you come as God leads you.